Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Grace. Today is Wednesday, February 7th, TH, 2024, and you're listening to Alex's News. Weather is taking a slight dip in Riverside today, with the high reaching a brisk 54.2 degrees and the low settling at 46.7, ensuring a cool day ahead. On our program, we'll delve into the monumental decision from the Supreme Court regarding Trump's election trial, a ruling with profound implications for the political landscape. In our tech segment, we tackle the electric vehicle market pivot. As manufacturers push toward putting more EVs on the road and bridging the gap between early adopters and mainstream consumers, we will discuss the existing challenges they face and the potential solutions that could accelerate this transportation evolution. And stay tuned for a deep dive into the contentious debate surrounding a proposed octopus farm in Spain. We'll explore the clashing perspectives as profit-driven interests collide with environmental and conservationist arguments, stirring up a sea of controversy in its wake. That's all coming up on Alex's News. Stay with us for these stories and more. In a major development that's capturing the nation's attention, former President Donald Trump is making headlines once again as he takes his legal battle all the way to the Supreme Court. To unpack this complex situation and what it means for Trump and the country, we're joined by our reporter Ethan. Ethan, can you give us an overview of what's at stake here? Absolutely, Grace. So the heart of this matter is a case involving allegations that Trump interfered with the 2020 election and attempted to overturn his loss to President Joe Biden. Just recently, an appeals court panel ruled against Trump's claim that he's immune from prosecution, effectively saying that even former presidents are not shielded from the law indefinitely after leaving office. His legal team is now scrambling to get the Supreme Court to step in. That's quite a significant ruling. What exactly did the appeals court say about presidential immunity? The appeals court was pretty clear, Grace. They stated that there is no blanket immunity for a president once they're out of office, particularly concerning actions that aren't part of their official duties. If this stance holds, it could have profound implications, not just for Trump, but for any president after leaving office. What does Trump hope to achieve by appealing to the Supreme Court, and what are the potential consequences if the court decides to hear the case? Trump's team is clearly aiming to delay the trial, especially with the 2024 presidential election on the horizon. They're likely hoping that a win for Trump would give him the opportunity to dismiss these federal cases or even issue a self-pardon, though that's a matter of legal debate. If the Supreme Court agrees to take the case, it could either grant a stay, delaying the trial further, or they could hear the case and potentially offer a definitive take on the scope of presidential immunity. It's truly uncharted territory. Can you speak to the significance of the timeline here, especially with the trial dates and the upcoming election? Of course, the timeline is a critical piece of the puzzle. Trump has until February 12 to request that the Supreme Court stay the lower court's decision. How quickly the Supreme Court responds to that request will shape the timeline moving forward. If the trial in Washington is delayed, it would give more time for the separate case in New York to proceed. And let's not forget the charges in Fulton County, Georgia, no trial date there yet. It's a tapestry of legal challenges that all intersect with the Supreme Court's next steps. And with public perception on the line, what might be the fallout from the Supreme Court's eventual decision? The stakes couldn't be higher. The Supreme Court's actions could influence how the public sees the fairness and impartiality of our judicial system. 
the definitive ruling on presidential immunity would also set a precedent that could affect all subsequent presidents. It's bound to be a landmark decision, no matter which way it goes. Thank you, Ethan, for that detailed analysis. This is certainly a story we'll continue to follow closely. That was story one of three for today, and we'll be back shortly with more news. Stay with us. We're turning to our next story, where the road to an electric vehicle future seems to be hitting some speed bumps. According to a recent NPR article, despite a growing interest in electric cars, sales have been somewhat lackluster, and companies like Hertz are actually selling off their EVs due to low demand. That's right, Grace. It's a complex issue with several factors at play here. While there was an initial surge in EV sales, it appears that the industry is struggling to move from the early adopters to more mainstream buyers, which is a critical transition for any emerging technology. So Chloe, could you take a little deeper into the reasons behind this stagnation in sales? What are the primary challenges these automakers are facing? Well, Grace, one of the biggest hurdles is the cost. On average, electric vehicles tend to be more expensive than their gasoline counterparts. This price barrier is significant for mainstream consumers, who might be interested in EVs but find them financially out of reach. And it's not just about the sticker price, costs also relate to manufacturing difficulties and lack of profitability for traditional automakers. That's quite a predicament. What about the challenges from a consumer perspective? Are there other concerns besides just the cost? Indeed, range anxiety is a big one, the fear that an electric vehicle won't have sufficient range to meet a driver's needs. But studies have indicated that the range of newer EVs should cover the average daily driving distance for most consumers. Yet, the anxiety persists, especially with the current state of charging infrastructure which, let's face it, is still not on par with the accessibility of gas stations. Speaking of infrastructure and policy, how are government actions affecting the market demand for EVs? Government policies can make or break the EV market. The phase-out of federal tax credits, for example, could put a damper on sales. Such market uncertainties are problematic for automakers, as they struggle to plan their production and adjust to these shifts in policy and consumer demand. Now, I can't help but wonder about the competition within the industry. As traditional automakers and newer companies all vie for a piece of the EV pie, how is this affecting the landscape? The EV market is getting more competitive by the day. With Tesla showing no signs of stepping back and legacy automakers trying to catch up, there's a rush to innovate and offer appealing, cutting-edge EVs. This is where the significant research and development investments come into the picture. Automakers are working to not only match but exceed consumer expectations, particularly in the range and features of their vehicles. So what are some strategies automakers can implement to navigate these challenges and appeal to a wider audience? To start, automakers need to continue improving battery technology to boost range and performance. Expanding charging networks and advocating for government incentives could also sway more buyers. Of course, automakers must also focus on the quality and reliability of their electric vehicles to gain consumer trust, which is vital for mainstream adoption. And organizations like Consumer Reports are adjusting their vehicle testing to reflect the growing presence of EVs, which could certainly help provide more information to potential buyers. It's fascinating to see how many variables are involved in the uptake of EVs. Chloe, we'll definitely keep an eye on how this story develops and how automakers adapt to these evolving challenges. Thank you for that insightful analysis. My pleasure, Grace. There's a lot at stake, and it's an important story to follow for anyone interested in the future of transportation.
Good morning, and here are some other headlines we're following today. In a close call on Capitol Hill, the House vote to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas has failed with a 216 to 214 vote. This marks a significant setback for the Republican Party, with the impeachment being led by GOP lawmakers against Mayorkas for his handling of the U.S.-Mexico border. Despite arguments from constitutional experts that the evidence does not suffice for impeachment, Republican leadership plans to bring up the vote again, highlighting internal challenges and intense partisan disagreements on immigration policy. In entertainment news, pop superstar Taylor Swift has landed in the middle of a privacy controversy. She's demanding a college student named Jack Sweeney to stop tracking her private jet using publicly available data. While her lawyers have sent a cease and desist letter, Sweeney's social media presence has sparked debates about celebrity privacy versus free speech. Swift's concern for safety versus the public's scrutiny remains a hot topic, especially on social media platforms. While U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is meeting with Israeli leaders, Hamas has put forward a new ceasefire plan in Gaza. The plan proposes a 135-day truce, release of hostages, withdrawal of Israeli troops from Gaza, and a final agreement to end the conflict. As the international community watches, Blinken is set to discuss this with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu amidst a dire humanitarian situation in the region. Turning to political campaign news, President Joe Biden has achieved a clear victory in the Nevada Democratic primary, indicating solid support within his party. This follows his South Carolina landslide win, as he prepares for the Michigan primary. Biden's win in Nevada secures more delegates as he proceeds with his 2024 campaign. On the Republican side, none of these candidates surprisingly topped the Nevada GOP primary polls over Nikki Haley, highlighting voter sentiment within the party. This symbolic primary shows signs of party division and the challenges that Haley faces as a major GOP challenger to former President Donald Trump. Lastly, music teacher and orchestra leader Annie Ray from Annandale, Virginia, has won the 2024 Music Educator Award at the 66th Annual Grammy Awards. Ray's dedication to music education and her impact on her students' lives at Annandale High School has earned her this prestigious honor. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be back with more updates throughout the day. We're moving on to our third story of the day. The Deep Blue has become a battleground for environmentalists and a seafood company in Spain. Nueva Pescanova's plans to create a commercial octopus farm have been met with heated debate. To navigate through the complex layers of this controversy, we've got our specialist correspondent, Ethan, on the line. Ethan, can you start by laying out the current situation for us? Absolutely, Grace. We're looking at a proposed octopus farm that's planned by a seafood company named Nueva Pescanova. Now, the idea is to commercially farm octopuses to meet the rising demand for octopus meat. Typically, octopus is caught in the wild, but with populations under pressure, the company argues that farming could actually help reduce overfishing. However, this has not sat well with octopus advocates who are very concerned about the implications of farming such a remarkably intelligent creature. Intelligence, that's been a major part of this argument, hasn't it? Could you delve a bit deeper into what makes octopuses so special? Certainly, Grace. Octopuses have been documented to have an extraordinary capability when it comes to problem solving, 
like navigating mazes and twisting off jarlids. They can even recognize individual human faces. They're solitary and somewhat enigmatic beings, and that's part of the reason why the idea of raising them in captivity has sparked such dispute. For these animals, whose lifestyle and intelligence are so distinctive, critics argue that confinement in a farm setting could be detrimental to their well-being. And what of the environmental concerns that have been raised? Opponents of the project point out the double-edged sword of concentrated aquaculture. On the one front, we're facing potential pollution issues which can result from numerous creatures being confined in small spaces, not to mention risks of disease. But perhaps even more notably, there's the issue of sustainability. A farm like this would require feeding octopuses large amounts of protein, which comes from other animals. So, you have to consider the broader ecological costs. I believe there's some action being taken against this proposal, right? Absolutely. The permit requests for establishing the farm are still pending, but there's a lot of pushback. For instance, a letter has been sent to the Canary Islands president urging rejection of the plan. Critics are really zeroing in on the potential threats to not only wild octopus populations but also the wider environmental consequences. Nueva Pescanova has mentioned a sustainable diet for these farmed octopuses, haven't they? What does that entail? They have, Grace. The company states its breeding program is now in the fifth generation of common octopus and insists that it can feed them a sustainable diet made from fishing by products and discards. While some may see this as a way to use waste responsibly, others remain skeptical about whether such a diet can be genuinely sustainable and if it could inadvertently lead to other issues within marine ecosystems. This certainly sounds like a story with a lot of tentacles, pun intended, especially considering the balance between meeting consumer demand and conservation. Could this set a precedent for other forms of marine life farming? That's a critical point. If this farm moves forward, it could indeed set a significant precedent for the aquaculture industry as a whole and we could see an increase in the number of proposals to farm other non-traditional marine species. It's essential to keep tabs on how this develops because the implications here ripple out in so many directions, ethics, sustainability, and the future of our oceans. Well, Ethan, you've certainly given us plenty to think about on this complex issue. Thanks for bringing your insight into this heated debate. My pleasure, Grace. Always happy to shed light on these intricate matters. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4 Turbo, GPT-3.5 Turbo, the Perplexity API, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.